0: Please take your Bibles and turn to the amazing book of John, John's Gospel. We'll be in chapter 12 today. Chapter 12 of John's Gospel, starting in verse 36. That's technically 36B, which is the last half of verse 36. John chapter 12 for Bible reading, verse 36, the last half of 36. John continues his survey of the life of Christ. In verse 36, we read, When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. So as the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, for again Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him, But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that, this, that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. May the Lord add his blessing at the reading and the hearing of his word this morning. Well, all of us, have faced situations that have brought us to a crisis of faith. Years ago, some dear friends of mine, Matt and Ann Silvius, they were married, had a family of three, and Matt was a friend of mine who I'd play racquetball with over in Wisconsin, and and kind of out, out of the blue in 2015, Matt died of a Massive heart attack at age 50. And Anne was left to raise three kids on her own. As you can imagine, Anne went through a huge crisis of faith. But by God's grace, she never wavered. And to this day, she continues to walk with her Lord and Savior more than all else. For all of us, our crisis of faith involves what we are going to do with Jesus Christ What have you done with Christ? I remember the several crises I went through with my relationship with Christ. Early on, as a five or six year old, as I first gave my life to Christ as a little kid with my mom. And years went by in high school, and I found myself living in two different worlds where I went to school in one town and went to church in another town, and so I had a different set of peers. One group at school where I did things I shouldn't be doing, and one group at church where I lived holy and righteous. And yet the Lord dealt with me through a little crisis of faith where I heard a speaker speak of Jesus' words of Revelation where he says, because you're neither hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. And I was like, oh, man, that's me. I'm going to be God vomit. I don't want to be that at all. And so through that little crisis, I made a commitment to be on fire for Christ no matter what. Certainly didn't mean being a pastor, and that kind of became the next crisis for me. As I was wrestling with a call to ministry, as the Lord was making it more and more clear while Kathy and I were in Wisconsin, I was running a business minding my own business, and God started to, to deal with me. And it was clear he was calling us into full-time ministry, but I wanted to fight God on it. Matter of fact, I probably fought with him for about five years about it. I wish I would have gone sooner, but again, we went when God wanted us to go. And through that crisis of faith, we finally jumped in and said, let's do it. And then we went to plant a church, another little crisis of faith, Before, the first church I went to was already established and was actually something to go to, but now we were going to plant a church out of nothing. And uh, so talk about faith, I mean, believing things that don't even exist. I remember driving home from Cornerstone University one day and kind of in tears over the whole idea of planting a church because I was so afraid. I didn't know what was going to happen, whether it was going to work or not. And I was in crisis crying out to God, you know, what do you want from me here? I don't know, I don't, don't, I'm not seeing it. I don't see how this is going to happen. And I remember two thoughts coming to my mind during that little crisis, that little moment of trying to figure out what God wanted me to do. One was a very biblical idea that we live not by sight, we live by faith. We live by faith and not by sight. In other words, God gave me assurance that you don't have to see it, Brad. You're just going to have to trust me. The second one, I don't know what verse it is, but I think it's a biblical concept, that faith is living without scheming. Everything I'd ever done before in my life, I'd always been able to see it and figure it out. You know, I'm a math guy, I like to figure out problems and solve the problem and and then ex- execute the steps that you need to to fix the problem. And with planning a church, I, 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 I had no idea what this was going to entail, what it was going to take. I wasn't going to be able to scheme my way out of it this time. And I was going to have to trust God, which we did. And of course, as many of you know, recent, <laughs> recent months, uh, my little. Crisis of faith again when all of a sudden you find yourself on the floor of your house and now they're putting you in an ambulance and off to the, to the ER you go and off to ICU you go and, and you're wondering at the time, again, I'm just out and you start coming out of it, anesthesia after six days of being under and I don't know what's happened to me and I'm like, well, God, what's going on here? But God has made it very clear that He's at work and he's still doing what he's going to do in spite of me for his purposes. But we all go through things like this, don't we? We all go through little crises, if you will, where we find out if our faith is real or not. Do we really believe in him? Will we really trust him? The spiritual crisis occurs when we encounter Jesus Christ is resolved ultimately through faith period. Our faith is based on God's revelation, as we'll see today. Only God can reveal himself to us. Only God can open our blind eyes. Only God can soften our hard hearts, and only God can bring us to repentance and healing. Our faith must be boldly proclaimed, and our faith proclaims that Jesus, in fact, is God. And our faith is based on Jesus's word, His word is what brings salvation. His word will ultimately be our judge and his word is the final authority. His word is, in fact, eternal life. In this passage, the word believes or believed shows up seven times. In these 14 or so verses, we've got seven times. So maybe belief, believing matters In our walk with Christ. And so today I have four spiritual principles I want to share with you as we work through our own crisis of faith from time to time. But let's ask God's help. Would you please pray with me? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that we have a moment this week to study your word. Uh, Not that just to hear stories or platitudes, but to actually see who you are and what you have to say to us through the life of Christ. Lord, may we not miss anything that you have for us today. Open our hearts and our minds to receive your truth. And Lord, open your word to us that we might hear precisely what you have for us today. Help us not to miss a thing. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for this moment. We pray all this in your son's wonderful and awesome name. Amen. If you have your sermon notes outlined with you from the materials you received when you came in today, Here's the first of four truths that we're going to look at today. First of all, our faith is based on God's revelation. Our faith is based on God's revelation. As a matter of fact, without God revealing himself to us, we remain in the dark. I'd like to remind you, anything you know about God is precisely because he showed you who he is and what he's about. There's really no room for discovery on our part in relationship to figuring out who God is. It's not like I read the Bible and go, aha, now I get it. No, if you're reading the Bible and all of a sudden you understand something from God, it's because he's revealed it to you. That can be demonstrated throughout Scripture all over the place. But our faith is based on God's revelation. First of all, only God can reveal himself to us. Notice what it said in verse 36, verse uh, 36b, the second half of 36. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Well, that's interesting. Usually you don't see Jesus hiding from people, but here he is hiding. Why? Remember, there's two potential problems that Jesus is dealing with. Either they're going to make him king too soon or they're going to put him to death too soon. It's not quite ready. We've got really about a week to go in the whole account before he goes to the cross. So he hides himself. In verse 37, though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. So the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? So in 36b, here we see Jesus literally hiding himself from the crowds. The reality is for all of us at birth, God is spiritually hidden from us just as Jesus went and hid himself from the crowds. We are born in rebellion. We're born in sin. We are born with the blinders on. We are born in such a way that we cannot see who he is or know him. Therefore, we are bent away from him, and we are bent in ultimately on self. That's our natural disposition from birth. Notice also in 37, even with many signs, many were still unbelieving. You mean it's possible for you to see many signs from God and still not believe? Yep, absolutely. By the way, maybe, I'm sure maybe you, maybe you said this. Maybe you know people who said it or thought it well, if God showed himself to me, then I'd believe. I'm like, no, they wouldn't. Nuh-uh. There's enough evidence here and through what God has created and through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ to make the difference. Even with many signs, many were still unbelieving. And by the way, I'd like to remind you, your whole life has been a sign from God that he actually really is. We are doubting, we are skeptical, and some of us are even cynical. In verse 38, and so through this, Jesus fulfills the prophecy from Isaiah 53, 1. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Only God can reveal himself to us. Secondly, only God can open our blind eyes. 39 goes on to say, therefore, they could not believe. Notice what it says. It's not an issue that they wouldn't believe. They couldn't believe. Why? Because their eyes hadn't been opened to see it. For again, Isaiah said, he has blinded their eyes. And you're like, wait a minute. Who are we dealing with here? Who is this God who somehow blinds people from the truth? And to some he reveals and to some he doesn't. We're dealing with God Almighty who can do what he chooses to do. And by the way, I'd like to remind you, he doesn't have to save anybody. He's not obligated to save anybody. Matter of fact, if God is fair, everybody's toast. And it's only by his sheer grace that you know anything about who he is and that you know Christ is your Savior Understand how blessed your eyes are because they see in your ears that they hear because many wanted to hear these things and see these things and didn't. That's what scripture says. That's what Jesus himself says in Matthew's gospel. And you go, wow. You cannot believe unless God opens your spiritual eyes to see. With open eyes comes sight. This is his doing, we're told. And you go, are you sure about this, Brad? Let me give you just one example. You can look it up for yourself in Matthew 16. Matthew 16, 13, the following verses. There's a moment in Jesus' ministry where his disciples are all around, and he says to the guys, hey, guys, what are people saying about me? Who do they say that I am? Some say, "Well, some say you're Elijah, some say that you're John the Baptist come back from the dead, some say you're Jeremiah." And then Jesus ramps it up for these guys. He goes, "But who do you guys say that I am?" Only one guy pipes up. It's Peter. Peter goes, "Why, you're the Son of the Living God." Notice what Jesus doesn't say in that passage. After Peter says, why, well, you're the son of the living God. Jesus does not say, high five, Pete, knuckles, you're awesome, you figured it out. You are such a special disciple. He doesn't say any of that. He said simply this, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, uses his full name. Blessed are you, Pete because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. In other words, the only reason you got a clue, Pete, about who I am is that my Father opened your eyes to see it. Which means, beloved, there's 11 other guys who are still clueless in this circle. Because he doesn't say, blessed are all you men. He says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. You're the only one blessed here because you see it because my Father in heaven showed it to you. By the way, the other 10 guys, I mean, Judas is lost, right? So the, only, the other 10 guys, they don't come to understand who Jesus is until the end of the Gospel of John. When Jesus says, you know, I came from the Father, and now I'm gonna return to the Father. They go, oh, now you're talking plainly. And Jesus is a little incredulous. He goes, oh, now you believe? Okay, I can go to the cross now. As I made 11 disciples. If Jesus doesn't make 11 disciples when he goes to the cross, there's nobody to tell anybody about who he is and what he did. We need to understand he's the only one who can open our eyes. Only God can open our blind eyes to the truth of who he is. But thirdly here, only God can soften our hard hearts. Notice what the text said in verse 40. He has blinded their eyes And harden their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart. I just have to ask you, what does God have to do to a person to harden their heart? What's the answer? Some of you know, because you've been in my Sunday school classes. What does God have to do? Nothing. Why? We are, as I mentioned, we are born in sin Here's God over here. We are born bent away from God and bent in on self. This is our natural disposition apart from Christ. This is our starting point. And so we start hardened. By the way, this is, isn't this how we pray for people? Oh, God, soften their heart that they might hear the truth of who you are. Isn't that how we pray? We, we, don't, we don't pray things like, oh, God, I hope they figured it out all by themselves. No, we go, God, do something. Why? Because we know God has to do something to open their eyes to see who he is. This is how we pray. Because God has to move. It's only God who can soften our hearts. What does God have to do? With a soft heart comes understanding where the Holy Spirit enters in and convicts us of our sin and our desperate need of a Savior. As God softens our heart, we are finally open to spiritual things. Only God can soften our hearts, our hard, callous hearts. By the way, when he finally opens your eyes to see who he is and he softens your hearts about who he is, this is why we should probably sing a little louder on Sundays, right? Praising Him and thanking Him because I, I know who you are. Before I didn't, but now I do. You're awesome, God. I want to worship only you. Fourthly, here, only God can bring us to repentance and healing. Notice what the text said in verse 40. He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they should see with their eyes, understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Only God can bring us to repentance and healing. That's what that little phrase, and turn. For you to come to Christ, you need to turn. We've talked about this idea. God is over here. We are born, our natural disposition is we're pointing in the wrong direction, going our own direction away from God. And we're bent in on self. And so for us to be transformed, we must turn. This is the concept scripturally known as repentance. I must turn around. I had one lady tell me, yeah, I need to do a 360. No, a 180. Do the math, it's a 180. 180. I need to do a 180 and turn to faith in Christ. Before I was trusting in myself and now I'm relinquishing that, turning from that and now turning to faith in Christ. And that's his evidential work in us as we trust in him. And on top of that, he then brings healing in our lives. What what kind of healing Uh, we need healing from a lot of things. Uh, Usually when we think of healing, we think of all the physical maladies that we're dealing with, right? But you've got a malady that's way more serious than any physical malady you've ever had. All of us are diseased. All of us are sick. We are all carrying wounds from our sin self-inflicted wounds from our sin and sometimes from the sin of others. We are all, if you will, wearing the red badge of courage with regard to our sin. We have all wounded ourselves through our own selfish desires and fleshly rebellions. But God purposes to heal us for our sinful malady, and rebellious diseases. Only God can bring us to repentance and healing. Praise God for that. It's his work. Our faith is based on God's revelation. But secondly today, our faith must be boldly proclaimed. If God has opened your eyes and softened your hearts and brought healing into your world, your faith should be boldly proclaimed. In verse 41, Jesus talks more about Isaiah. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory. Saw whose glory? Saw God's glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many, even the authorities, believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Our faith must be boldly proclaimed. At first, when we read this passage, we think, awesome. Why? Because some of the authorities believe who Jesus is. But then we find out that they were afraid to say anything about their faith. And that becomes an indictment. In contrast, we have Isaiah who boldly proclaims Christ based on encountering his glory. That is the ultimate glory of Christ. Isaiah 6, 1 through 10. Listen to Isaiah's experience. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. And the train Of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. That's an angelic being. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. That's pretty cool. I'd like to see that myself. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go, and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. you understand how bleak this assignment is? You're our guy, Isaiah. We want you to go. Matter of fact, we've cauterized your lips. We've cleansed them, so you're the voice peace for God himself to speak and proclaim truth to people but what you're going to say is stuff that they're not going to buy or believe or ever want to deal with okay sign me up I'm in it's really it's no better than going to the graveyard and preaching to the stones hoping somebody will come alive But blessed are your eyes, for they see. Blessed are your ears, for they hear these things. It's remarkable. These authorities in verse 42, they feared the Pharisees more than God. In verse 43, they loved the glory of men rather than the glory of God. Isaiah wasn't concerned about that, was he? He had seen literally the the glory of God, which is Christ. He saw his glory and spoke of him boldly. That needs to be our disposition. Our faith must be boldly proclaimed, and Isaiah did just that, even with an assignment that seems so bleak and hopeless. All of us are so willing to believe and proclaim things that we're excited about. We readily talk about the latest movie or the latest YouTube video. Did you see this one? It's really great. We talk about the latest diet fad, the latest gossip. But the question is, are we talking about Christ or are we shrinking back from that assignment? Not too long ago, Kath and I were on a flight and there was a guy sitting behind us and he was talking very loudly about this incredible diet plan he was on, so much so that the whole section of our plane was so excited about his new diet. And it's like, well, where's the guy preaching Christ? Oh yeah, that's supposed to be me. He was incredibly convincing, so much so that I still remember it. Beloved, we need to boldly proclaim our faith But thirdly, our faith proclaims that Jesus is God. If we're going to proclaim anything about our faith, we have to proclaim the reality that Jesus is, in fact, divine. Notice what it said in verse 44. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me but in him who sent me. That's God himself, God the Father. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. In this passage, we really come to the halfway point of the book of John. And for one last time, Jesus cries out to the crowds. This is his last public address. He says, whoever believes in me, believes not in me but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. Almost at a point of desperation And we've seen throughout the Gospel of John these I am's. I am the bread of life. I am from above. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. Before Abraham was, I am. And now I and the Father are one. Here's what is true. If you believe in Jesus, you're believing in God because Jesus is God in the flesh. This is what we should be proclaiming. If you see Jesus, you are seeing God. Later in John 14, 9, Jesus says to Philip, if you've seen seen me, you've seen the Father. Can anybody in this room say that? Nope. If you've seen Brad, you've seen the Father. No, you haven't. Dave, I love Dave. Dave's an awesome guy. But if you've seen Dave, you still haven't seen the Father. Or Mark. Or Jeff, I mean, name the person, uh-uh. But if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Why? Because I and the Father are one, Jesus says in John 10. This is huge for us. Our faith proclaims that Jesus is God. If you see Jesus, you're seeing God. God. One last time, Jesus Jesus makes it clear that he is the light of the world. And the beautiful truth here is he says this in verse 46, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. One last time, Jesus makes it clear that he is the light of the world. You don't have to remain in the darkness anymore. Isn't it tragic that some of us go, yeah, but I want to stay in the darkness. We're like, why? Why? Why would you want to do that? Not too long ago, I had a young man tell me that, well, Jesus was just a sinful man like you and me. He then said, yeah, my uncle, the priest, told me this. Turns out his uncle is unbelievably wrong. Jesus is like us in every way, yet without sin, the scripture says. You see, the gospel stands or falls on essential Doctrinal truth, the doctrinal truth of our faith like this one. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Intentionality and direction toward those doctrines don't count. If in the end you've only progressed toward a falsehood, you are still lost. There is a God who has created all things. There is a God who has revealed himself to us through what he has created, through his written word and through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are lost in sin and rebellion and are desperately separated from God. And so we desperately need a Savior who will grant us forgiveness, restoration, and reconciliation. And that Savior is precisely the Lord Jesus Christ who is fully God and fully man. He is the God-man who lived a sinless life and then laid down his life for us because of his sheer grace and love for us. Faith that believes, Jesus is God. Our faith needs to proclaim that reality. If we shrink back from that because we're too embarrassed about it, we're not preaching the gospel anymore. Beloved, our faith proclaims that Jesus is divine. He is God incarnate, God in the flesh. Our faith must be boldly proclaimed. Our faith is based on his sheer revelation toward us. Lastly today... Our faith is based on Jesus' word. And I have four questions for you today as we wrap things up in our discussion. Our faith is based on Jesus' word. Why? Well, because it's His word that brings salvation anyway. Jesus then adds about this idea that we can finally come out of the darkness. In verse 47, he says, If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. My words bring salvation. If you're hearing his word and you're not coming to Christ, you've got a bigger problem. Are you hearing him this morning? Are you saved? Have you placed your faith and trust in him? His word is what brings salvation. It's not my word, it's not Jeff's word or Nick. It's his word that makes the difference. And by the way, I just would just love to stand up here, read the text, and then go sit down because it's sufficient unto salvation. But secondly here, it's his word that will be our judge. Our faith is based on Jesus's word. His word brings salvation. His word will be our judge The one who rejects me, Jesus says, and does not receive my words has a judge. And it's not him because that's not why he came the first time. Well, by the way, he is coming another time and he will bring justice and judgment. Stay tuned for that. His word will be our judge. Are you recognizing how accurate God's word is this morning? Jesus said in 48 the one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge the word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day are you seeing it are your eyes open to it how accurate God's word is this morning regarding your faith or lack of it I don't judge you not my job neither does anyone else here not our job His word will be our judge. By the way, I have to stand under the same word, don't I? Yes, I do. But thirdly here, with the third question, his word is the final authority. It's not me, it's not the church, it's not anybody else in this room. Only his word is the final authority. Notice what Jesus said in 49. For I've not spoken on my own authority. Even Jesus says, I'm not out here talking just anything or saying anything I want to say that comes to my mind, notice who he attributes it to. But the Father, I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. The only thing you're hearing me say is what my Father has given me to tell you, he says. And I ask you, what authorities are you listening to? Are you listening to Your media feed, are you listening to all the television garbage that's out there? All the movies? I mean, we've got media coming out our nose. And we're more in tune with that than we are with who God is. You listening to our government? I hope not. You listening to the Pope, the President? God the Father is the ultimate authority and the only one we should be listening to at all. His word is the final authority for all people for all time, and it is sufficient. Lastly, his word is eternal life. You want to find life? Matter of fact, throughout this book, it says God's word is life to you. I just want to find my life. It's life to you. I didn't say it. God said it. My word is life to you. His word is not just life. It's eternal life. In verse 50, Jesus says, and I know that his commandment, that is my Father's commandment, is eternal life. What I've been speaking to you by way of the Father's voice through me, Jesus says, is where you find life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. And I just want to ask you, lastly, have you found your life yet? Are you still looking for it? Start looking here. Start here. And let him show you your life. Only his word is eternal life. By the way, all else is folly and ultimately destruction. Are you in a spiritual crisis this morning? The spiritual crisis that occurs when we encounter Jesus is only resolved through faith. Our faith is based on God's revelation. Only God can reveal himself to us. Only God can open our blind eyes. Only God can soften our hard hearts. Only God can bring us to repentance and healing. Our faith must be boldly proclaimed. Our faith proclaims that Jesus is God, and our faith is based on Jesus' word. His word brings salvation. His word will be our judge. His word is the final authority and his word is eternal life are you resolved in your faith this morning have you resolved yourself to believe in jesus based on his revelation to you boldly proclaiming that jesus is god based on all that you have seen and heard from Jesus' own words oh it's my prayer for you this morning that he would reveal himself to you And open your eyes and soften your heart and bring you to repentance and healing. May you find salvation and eternal life. Beloved, the last days are coming when he will be lifted up as the final authority and his word will be the judge with what we have done with Jesus. Be resolved in your faith about Jesus. Be at peace. All of us come to these moments of crisis of faith. Where are you? Have you been doubting him for a bit? Maybe you have a situation where you're just not sure what he's going to do. Maybe you've got a loved one who's gone astray. Maybe you're wrestling with a health concern that you're dealing with or a relationship that's gone the wrong way, financial concerns. I don't know what it is. He knows it all. And maybe you're in your own little crisis. I encourage you to turn to him even this morning, even now, and find the peace that he has for you by just simply trusting him through faith. Let let him handle it. Let him deal with the issues because he can, and he can do it in a, far better way than we can. And that's all he calls us to do is to believe. If we truly believe, we will most certainly do what he's called us to do. That's my prayer for all of you this morning. Would you please stand with me as we close our service? Our gracious heavenly father, thank you for your word here. Lord, may we get a clue on what it says here. Knowing full well who you are and what you've revealed to us. But Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes, open our ears to hear and to see these things. You would soften our hearts to receive them. Lord, that we wouldn't be afraid of what others think as some of these Pharisees were but that we'd be sold out 100% completely for you to such a degree that we would be transformed by walking with you in the power of your word, being changed by you for your purposes. Lord, if there's some repenting that needs to take place, it's my prayer that that would take place, that those who need to turn around from the direction they've been going would do the 180, and turn to faith in Christ. Lord, for others who are wrestling with a specific crisis of faith right now, Lord, I pray that you would help them right now, that you'd give them hope, that you'd give them a heart of prayer, an ability to walk by faith and not by sight, an ability to live without scheming, trusting fully in you with who you are and what you can do because you are God. You are our God and you are sufficient. Your word to us is enough. And Lord, through that, may we find the peace that all of us are longing for as we walk with you. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for this group that you've gathered together this morning to hear your truth and to sing your praise. We hope, Lord, and uh, we long to, to be able to say that all that we've done this morning has been pleasing to you as we've sought to bring glory to your name through your word and through your praise. So Lord, thank you for this moment. Thank you for some refreshment and encouragement now before we go as we've heard from you. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your revelation. Thank you for opening our eyes to see, opening our ears to hear, and softening our hearts. We pray all this in your son's wonderful and awesome name this morning. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for coming. Have a fantastic week.